where the glory of God has its way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated today. It's Good Friday. You know, it is obviously the day Christ was crucified. We signify if leading up to Easter Sunday, which is really Resurrection Sunday. Hallelujah. But we celebrate Resurrection not just on Easter Sunday. We celebrate it every Sunday and every day. Amen. Who in here is glad that you know the Lord? Who in here can testify the person you were before you knew the Lord is dramatically different than who you are today. God changes our lives in good ways. The gospel, gospel actually means good news. When the angels came and told about the, the birth of Christ, they said, I bring you glad tidings of a great joy. And I believe, I felt to introduce with this tonight, that Jesus was a happy person. I don't think Jesus was depressed, walking around with his head hung down low, knowing even knowing full well what he was going to have to do. It actually refers to the cross, he said, for the joy that was set before him. Isn't that incredible? So it was actually delightful for him. He was joyous about it. And that's where James, his brother, writes, rejoice and count it, count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into the temptations of life, the trials of life, because it's working inside of you and creating in you patience. And if you let patience work within you, praise God, hallelujah, fruit of the Spirit, long-suffering. If you let patience have its way in you, then you will be perfect, but really it means mature and entire, lacking nothing. In other words, you got to go through stuff. Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to have to go through stuff. Anybody in here ever been through anything? Did anybody in here get saved and all of your problems in life have totally gone away? Now, I'm not the preacher to ever say that it's harder to serve the Lord. I believe entirely. You, I know that when you pursue God, when you go after God, I've seen it, I've felt it in my life. When you first start going after God, it's like things come against you. And it does seem like temporarily, like maybe it was better to not pursue God because all this junk's coming at me right now. Well, that junk was coming at you all the time. It's just now it's being exposed. And the enemy wants to keep you back, but the further you pursue God, you're going to have battles. You can't be an overcomer unless you go through battles. You can't be more than a conqueror unless you have something to conquer. And Christ empowers you to face any and all circumstances. And so basically the title of my message tonight is, is Seeing the Good. It's Good Friday. I want to talk to you about seeing the good. I want to begin by just reading the, the Word of God in John chapter 19. Beginning verse 17 is where I'll pick up. I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture tonight just regarding Christ's crucifixion. I think they have it. They do. Praise the Lord. It says, He bearing his cross, and I'm reading in the King James. It might be slightly different. He bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha. Somebody say Golgotha. It's just fun, isn't it? Sounds like, it sounds like it should be a wrestler in the 80s. Right? We had The Undertaker. We had Hollywood Hulk. We, we should have had Golgotha. <laughs> Ugly looking guy. <laughs> when they crucified him, two others with him, one on either side, and Jesus was in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. 
And the writing was that Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. The title then read, many of the Jews, for the place where Christ was, or where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. And they then, then said the chief priest to the Jews, of the Jews to Pilate, write not the king of the Jews, but he said that I am the king of the Jews. So write not that he is the king of the Jews, but that he said he was the king of the Jews. And Pilate answered and said, what I have written, I have written. That's just a manly response right there, isn't it? Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and they made four parts to every soldier, a part, and also his coat. Now the coat was without scam or seam, without seam, woven from the top throughout. And they said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be. That scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, they parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by him, whom he loved, he said unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. And then he said to his disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her under, unto his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put upon it hyssop, and put it to his mouth. And when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head, and he gave up the ghost. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that, that, day, that Sabbath day was a high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then, then came the soldiers, and they break the legs of the first and of the other, which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus, they, th- they saw that he was dead already, and they break not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side. Forthwith came there out blood and water. And he saw that it bare record, and his record is true, and he knoweth that he saith true, that you, you might believe that these things were done, that the scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of a man shall not be broken. And again, another scripture saith, they shall look on him whom they have pierced. Now turn with me to the gospel of Luke chapter 23. Isn't that a Christmas song? I don't want a lot for Good Friday. There is just one thing I need. Squirrel. Luke 23, verse 32. And there were also two other malefactors, I think I'm saying that word right, led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the malefactors, one on the right and the other on the left. And then said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment, and they cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he be the Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in the letters of Greek, Latin and Hebrew, this is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors which were hanged rallied on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, 
seeing thou art in the same condemnation, we indeed justly, for we we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, Today, look at your neighbor, say today, Today. shalt thou be with me in paradise. Father, we thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for for your word. Thank you for all that you gave up on Calvary for each and every one of us. Every person under the sound of my voice tonight, because of what you have done, we have free access if we open our hearts and open our mouths to receive everything Christ has for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the Bible says that everything will work together for good. Love God. It's in Romans chapter 8. So we know in life we are assured this one thing. Life has many curveballs. Things come. Problems arise. There are many afflictions of the righteous, but there is only one outcome of our afflictions. And it is that the Lord delivers us out of them all. Come on, somebody. So if you're in this place right now and you feel like you're going through some, some, through some things, Guess what? You already know how it will wind up. There's only one way it can end for those that love God and are called according to His purpose. It will turn for good. If you believe it, shout good. It is Good Friday. Everything in this world that is good, Scripture says, came down from above from the Father of lights. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. He is called the Father of lights because there is no shadow in Him. Which means there is no variableness. There is no God is one day good and the next day bad. There's one no no one day I love Joe, but now I'm going to come at Joe and I'm going to take Joe out. God is good. He's full of light. He's always been good. He's a good father. Amen. Even before we could be saved, he looked at mankind in their lostness and and, and planned from the foundation of time to give a sacrifice himself to win each and every one of us back. God is good. And all the time, God is good. Amen? And we read this, and this is something many people use, the thief on the cross. Man, this guy never followed Christ. This guy never got baptized. This guy never got filled with the Holy Ghost. This guy just said, you know, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Christ said, today you will be with me in paradise. That word is still the same word. Trace it, that when Paul wrote about being caught up into the heavens, he said, I was caught up into the third heavens. Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. I was in paradise. That's where Paul was caught up to. And he said, in that place, things were so great, it's unlawful for a man to even utter what I saw there. And this one thief hanging on a cross that even said from his own lips, I deserve this very thing, but because he recognized Christ Jesus was Lord, he did not get eternal damnation but eternal life in christ jesus come on it's a pretty good deal think about the idiot on the other side but before there was paradise there had to be golgotha before this thief could ever get into paradise before he could ever enter in to eternal bliss before he could ever have access to this there had to be golgotha the place of the skull There had to be Calvary. And before there was ever Golgotha, there had to be Gethsemane. And in Gethsemane, Christ warred. I mean, he laid out, dropping sweats, sweating blood, warring on behalf of every one of us within himself, his own flesh of what he was about to endure. 
Before there was Gethsemane, there was betrayal. Because that's what that garden was all about. Not just that Christ would war, but that Christ would be betrayed by someone close to him. And before there was betrayal, there was rejection. He was rejected by many. Sure, many loved Christ. But there was enough people that hated Christ so much that they chanted and turned Pilate and demanded that he be crucified. Christ endured rejection. We read it in Isaiah. He was rejected, smitten, cast out. Before there was rejection, there was starvation, there was hunger, and there was wilderness. And before there was wilderness, there was fleeing for his life as a baby into Egypt because from day one, his life was on the run. Think about this. Now, I said this to start tonight's message. Christ, I believe, was happy. I think he was a joyous man because he was strong. Amen? To endure what he endured, he was a strong man. And the Bible says clearly that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Christ was not going around with a chip on his shoulder. He wasn't upset. He wasn't beaten down. He wasn't gloomy. Even though his whole life he had to face things that, that was over and above the top to face. Now, Christ is said to be our good shepherd. Because he endured temptations, he walked through things that we got to walk through so that he could be kind and gracious towards us. Amen? Amen. So tonight I want to talk to you about seeing the good in everything. Lesson number one, fleeing for your life in Egypt. Think about this. He was, what, two years old, according to Scripture, that when Herod started slaying all the kids, they fled to Egypt, supernaturally provided by people that came and dropped Sacrifices of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Lesson number one. What do you learn when you're fleeing for your life in Egypt? What is the lesson we all need to learn? That God will literally provide for everything you need in life. Come on. It's interesting. Scripture actually says in detail, Christ being rich, because in heaven he's not poor. Everybody realize that? Thank God there's not a mortgage in heaven. There's not even a bank because you don't need it. Amen. There's just streets of gold. You don't have to pay for anything. There's overflow. Christ being rich became poor so that you might be made rich. And it was intentional that God sowed his son supernaturally into a family that they didn't have a lot. They weren't, they weren't, it's not like Joseph was rolling in the big bucks when you're fleeing and having to pay taxes and all you got is one donkey and a pregnant woman and you're going through Bethlehem. It's not like this guy's loaded for bear. We can't say Joseph was a baller. Right? Are you with me? That's why scripture says he became poor. Well, I believe the Lord did this intentionally to sow the promised son into the lowest of places, born in a, in a manger where animals were all around, but then supernaturally supplied to show that it does not matter where you were born. It does not matter what your education, your social class was. It doesn't matter. Everything the world tells you matters. That you got to have this upbringing, that you got to have this education, that you got to have that. If you're going to make it in this world, you got to do that. No, to make it in this world, love God. Go after God. Trust that God will literally supply according to His riches and glory, and you will never lack a day in your life. Amen? 
As Paul wrote in that Philippians, he said, look, I've been rich, I've had abundance, and I've had very little. And I've learned that in all of those things, Christ is my sufficiency. He will supply according to his riches and glory. And I can testify myself. I've had times that I didn't know how I was going to pay bills, and I've had times that I pay other people's bills. And through it all, he's the one that gets the glory. Come on, somebody. He's the one that gets the glory. If you follow God, you can trust no matter what. God has your back. And if God has your back, it doesn't matter if the dollar collapses like so many people are saying right now. Get ready, the dollar's going to collapse. Well, collapse away, baby, because my life is not built on the U.S. dollar. My life is built on the kingdom of God. My source is not the United States of America. My source is the king of glory himself. He's got shekels of pure gold and platinum, baby. The silver and gold is my father's. The cattle are his. Amen. If the cattle are as his, then you, you might be a vegetarian now, but if things get lit, you know, Things get sketchy in the grocery store and cows start roaming into your yard. The good Lord has provided. Amen. Grab the cleaver, baby. I feel like it's time for a sacrifice. Ah, shakata. The Lord would say, T-bone, T-bone tonight. God will provide. He will provide. I've had crazy testimonies in my life. I remember a time in my life where uh, I overstretched myself because I, tell, I told everybody I would do this for them, I'd do that for them. And the Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. So when you give your word, that's your bond. And I told a person I'd do this, I told a person I'd do this. I said, I'll take your four-wheeler or your motorcycle to Tennessee. I had to rent a trailer. I didn't realize I didn't have a, a trailer hitch on my pickup truck. I had to go get a trailer hitch. And I didn't have enough money. I remember starting the day and realizing, oh my gosh, I gave my word. I don't have enough cash to do all of this. I didn't know what to do. And I grabbed a little bit of money that I had. It was like 300 bucks. And I needed just to get the trailer, $200. To get the trailer hitch, $200. I mean, it was just to get gas to get to Tennessee, I needed several hundred dollars because I dr- drove a Durango that got like four miles of the gallon. All right? You'd think I'd learn, but then I went and bought a Hemi. Still haven't learned gas mileage, you know. My wife drives a hybrid and I drive a Hemi. So somewhere in the middle, we're smart and it really leans more her way. Okay, anyways. <laughs> but I mean, if I was smart too, then it wouldn't give her that great place to, in the family to know she's the smart one. Amen. So I have all this stuff I got to do and I grabbed the money I had and I prayed and I, and I asked the Lord, what do you want me to do? What should I do, God? And I heard the Holy Spirit say, Caleb, go out and pay cash for everything. And when you run out of money, stop. I was like, well, that's pretty simple. <laughs> it's, it's like, wow, I can do that. You know what I'm saying? How many people realize God actually gives you simple directions? When they, when they were fished all night, what did God tell them? He didn't say, all right, spin seven times, do a backflip. He just said, take your net, cast it on the other side. Okay. Wow, that really worked, you know. So I did that, and I went out, and I, and I went to U-Haul, and I got the trailer, and I'm paying cash, doing all this, and I'm, I'm just forking out cash, and every time I grab my cash, there's cash. I went to the junkyard, I got the trailer hitch, put the trailer hitch on, get back home. I did everything I was supposed to do that day, and I still had money left over. 
And I was like, this isn't math. And I'm calculating in my mind. And I don't do math publicly, but privately I'm pretty sharp with it. <laughs> Especially when the calculator app's available. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Amen. No, I'm actually really good at math. I joke with that, but I actually have a very good mind for it. So I did it all, and I knew I spent more than I started with, but I still had some. That's a miracle. Are you with me right now? That does not, it does not work. Numbers don't lie. But I had more. So I'm on my living room couch, and I'm just praising the Lord. Man, thank you, God. This is awesome. You know, and I had like 80 bucks left. And I'm like, you know, it's probably not enough to get me to, to Tennessee with this, with this motorcycle. But it didn't matter because God already multiplied my money so he can multiply my gasoline. Amen. Hey, come on, somebody. Any, who can testify the Lord's multiplied gasoline? Yeah, look around. Seriously, look around. We all drive hybrids in the kingdom of God. Ah! If you haven't been declaring over your car supernatural gas mileage, you're, you're missing out of the kingdom principle here. We lay hands on that sucker every day. Father, I just declare right now, though you have the power of a hemi, you will purr like a hybrid in Jesus' name. Well, as I'm thanking the Lord, the Holy Spirit prompt me, get up and go into your closet. Once again, this is simple. I go into my closet and I felt, look in the, my suit pocket of this ugly suit. Now, you might have heard this testimony. It was the first suit I ever bought. When I got saved and I was like, I'm finally saved, you know, I'm serving the Lord. I got to look right, you know what I'm saying? So I went to one of those sketchy shoot, suit places, you know. And the lights were dim, you know what I'm saying, flickering lights. Two suits for $69. So I picked up two suits. One was a brown suit that had, it was like 10 buttons. <laughs> to this day, I've never seen a suit like it. Like buttons, <laughs> like buttoning it up. You're like, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> and when you like take it off, you're like, hang on, hang on, hang on, people. Got to get my coat jacket off. And then I bought this. I thought it was a gray suit in the light. But when I, when I got out to church, it was like this weird grayish, greenish. It was not even a color. <laughs> Didn't matter what undershirt I tried to pair with it, it always looked bad. I tried blue, I tried white, I tried black, I tried gray. If you put gray with it, it looked green. If you put green with it, it looked gray. It was awful. And I went to that suit, the promise suit. And I remember the Lord said, put your hand in the pocket. And I put my hand in the pocket of this suit, and I pulled out a wad of cash. I'm not even joking. And I was like, yeah, thank God for that suit, amen? I'm glad I picked that bad boy up. You know, it comes down to the gold and the fish. You know, the gold coin and the fish. How did the gold coin get in the fish? We don't care. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like Peter's like, but how? How did it get there? He's just like, it's here. You know, it's like you don't even, your mind doesn't even go, how did this happen? Your mind just knows it's the Lord. Man, when Christ had to go to Egypt, he was born in base circumstances. You may be facing things. Things may come your way in life. Let me tell you, it's good news for a believer. Because every time you're challenged with something, it's just an opportunity to trust God. 
And every time you trust God and you see he's faithful and he always comes through, your faith gets stronger for the next battle. And the next mountain is more, you can take a bigger mountain. You can go another round. Because you know the Lord has got your back. God's got the back of the church. If you believe it, shout it's true. God's got your back. You the Lord. Doesn't matter what you're facing. And maybe you need a financial breakthrough like, like Pastor Joe was saying. But look what the Lord did for him. Disney's a long-standing organization. It's not like they're an over-the-night operation. So for them to have never done that and did that for him, God gets all the glory. Amen? I'll take that any day. And I told him when he told me that testimony, it's about time Disney started paying for the gospel. Amen. Lord knows they've done a lot of other wicked things. Come on, somebody. What lesson do we learn from the wilderness? He was driven into the wilderness, starving for 40 days and tempted from the devil. We learn from the wilderness moment what seemed like a bad moment, that there's actually very good things. And that's what I'm talking to you about tonight. No matter what you're facing, bad is only something that you let it become. It's always good. It will always work together for good. Everything you encounter is good. It will produce within you good fruit. You will grow from it, and you will, you will be stronger than you were going into that thing. In the wilderness, we learn this, that prayer and fasting is key to you not missing your destiny. Let me tell you, everybody on planet Earth has always been made by God for something special. God never ever, 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 ever made a person to be thrown away and just be forgotten about. Every person was born with free will, with destiny from God, written from the foundation of time, but you all have free will. You all had to freely choose to come here tonight. Every morning, you had to freely choose to worship the Lord or to turn on some stupid rap music on the way to work. It's your choice, is it not? It's always been your choice. That's why people can get saved and backslide. That's scriptural. Hebrews talks about it because you can receive Christ and then over time decide, you know what, you know what, you know what, and you're backing, you're backing, you're backing, and then you walk away from God. People do it all the time in planet Earth. Start out, God's good. He saved us out of this, but then these get it, you get confident in yourself, you get wealthy, you get this, and you drift from God. It's Luke chapter what, eight. Is it eight, ten, a seed, and all the things of life? The seed is perfect, but the heart is what changes. Prayer and fasting was what Jesus used to overcome temptation. The devil didn't just come to entice him. He came to attack what Christ came to do and offer him everything that this world offers you. Wealth, fame, prestige, being celebrated. Being Christ knew very well what he was going to have. Everything opposite of that. Everything the devil saying, you could be famous. You could be, you could be treated well. You could have all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And Christ knew, no, what I get is whips on my back. I get to give my life. I get to have my body beaten, my face marred. But guess what? It's joyous that I do it because it's not about me. It's about what my father wants done through me. And it's ultimately about us. Amen. Come on, somebody. So prayer and fasting, that's what Christ did. It's the same principle that still works for us today. The devil is not going to give anybody in this room a free run up the side. Absolutely not. Especially if you start breaking into realms of, God, of the kingdom of God. You start getting into holiness, 
You start working on your marriage. You start building a strong household. You start driving the devil out of your house. You start raising kids full of the word of God. Bro, you're disrupting the system. No, you're a terrorist in this world according to this, this modern world. You're a terrorist. You're a right-wing extremist. You believe the gospel. You preach the word. And you don't let us indoctrinate your kids. Help. My child knows the word of God knows the name of Jesus. We lay hands on him every single day. And I'll bet my children can outpray many a preacher today. Why? Because we're raising this up in our household. What's the key? Prayer and fasting, bro. You're going through a storm. You can either complain and be a victim or you can put your big boy pants on or big girl pants on. Amen. And know that no one else is going to do this for you. And no one else can do it for you. It's yours. This is your destiny. This is an attack against you. This is an attack against your house, against your body, against your mind, against your marriage. And you've got to be the one to say, no. I'm going to go into the secret place. And I'm going to get something from God. Because at the end of the day, He is the King of glory. He's the one that has written down where I'm going to wind up. And I trust His plan. And I'm going after that plan. So devil, you can get out of my house and you can get out of my mind and you can get out of my, my job and you can get out of my career because as a, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And if we're serving the Lord, then God's plan is what we have. And which means all things will work together for good for those that love God and are called according to His purpose. That's me. So it's going to be good today. Better tomorrow, better the next day, greater the next day, on and on until Christ takes me home. If you believe it, say amen. amen. That's a lesson to learn. You see, everybody wants to get saved and have everything given freely to you. Spiritual authority is something you grow in. That's what James was talking about, saying when you go in trials, count it joy because it's working in you, creating in you a stronger, more resolute person so that you are perfect and entire, lacking nothing. When you get saved, you love God, you've got zeal, but you're really a baby. I was a baby when I got saved. And so you had to be mindful. As a baby, you put everything in your mouth. Everything anybody says, you just take it and put it in your mouth. And you can wind up being led astray in the baby stage. But as you grow, and ultimately you should grow, Christ expects you to grow. Paul expected people to grow. He said, you've got to grow up now. You've got to read the Word. You've got to stir yourself up, and you've got to go into this place of the secret place of God, getting into His presence, and letting that character of God work on the inside of you so that you act like God. You operate like God. You think like God. Because that's His plan. To be a Christian means to be a little Christ. To be a little Christ means I operate like Christ. I move like Christ. What did Christ do? He said, I only do what the Father above tells me to do. And I only say what God tells me to say. Amen. Amen. And that's a hard one for us. James himself said the tongue is like a, it's like a fire starting crazy. It turns you any which way. If you can master the tongue, then you can control your whole life. Because you're going to eat from the fruit of your lips. So that's what we learn in the wilderness. Prayer and fasting is a key to not losing the destiny that God has for your life. God gave you great things. The only reason I'm in the ministry today was not because I ever saw dreams of stadiums or large churches. 
I never saw this building in anything God ever revealed to me. All I knew was I moved with this passion to see people come to know God and discover that God had something for them. The Lord told me years ago, Caleb, you're like spiritualmatch.com. You arrange a meeting between me and them, and then you get out of the way. Because once I've met with them and once they've met me, they don't need you. Amen. Amen. It's about building your relationship one-on-one with Christ Jesus. That's not saying church doesn't matter. That's part of church. But are you with me right now? That's what we learn in the wilderness. Overcoming temptation causes you to carry more power. Scripturally, it literally says when Christ returned from the wilderness experience, that he returned in the power of the Spirit. And that's the day that he read the, 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 the scroll that Isaiah prophesied, saying, Today this is fulfilled, that I have been anointed to preach the gospel to the poor, to set at liberty those that are bruised. Amen? Amen. That's the day, the day that you break through temptation. Your wilderness moments. And see, that's it. And I'm not trying to pick on people. I'm not raising things up. But some things you go through in life are because you yield it to something. You yield it to something. And the wages of sin is death. So that's the way it works. You say, man, I'm, I'm trying to follow God. I'm trying to do this. But you screwed up. Well, repent. Come on, somebody. Repentance is key. I hit this two weeks ago. Repentance is this birthplace where where salvation and righteousness comes from you're not walking as the righteousness of God if you're not dealing with these things in your life so if the enemies beat you down before decide no father by the power of the anointing of God every yoke has been broken off of my mind off of my body and today I follow after you once more amen and when you overcome temptation you get stronger every time you tell the devil no It gets stronger and more resolute in you, the kingdom of God. It's easier every time you overcome. Come on, somebody. So decide today, I'm an overcomer all the time. From rejection. Christ was rejected. The very people that should have celebrated him, the scholars, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, as we say in the Pentecostal worlds, the wouldn't sees and the couldn't sees, that actually knew that Christ ticked off every box. They knew it. But they did not want to embrace it because it's fine. See, this is religion. This is what the world will give you. That it's as long as it's happening in the future but not happening right now, that's okay. As long as it once happened but it's not right now, that's okay. But if it's happening right now, it must be the devil. I don't know where that came from, but I know that's what Christ endured. They said over and over again, you're, you're, you cast out devils by Beelzebub. You're, of the, you're, you're, you're full of the devil. It's not true. They had everything in them. And Christ said regarding them, you search the scriptures in vain. Trying to find life. But you'll never find it. Because their eyes were blinded. Their ears were deaf. They could not see and they could not hear what stood right in front of them. He was rejected. What do we learn from rejection? We learn this. That ultimately the only voice that really matters in your life is His. We're not living for the celebration of men. We're not living for the cheers of a crowd. Crowds can come and crowds can go. The cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna, when He came in. Were the same ones that cried, crucify, crucify. There's only one voice you're living for, my friend. And that is the voice of your Father above. He is perfect and His plan is perfect. And if you believe it, say amen. amen. Come on, somebody. I was in Bible college years ago, and 
It was my third year in Bible college. When I went to Bible school, I struggled with everything in the church, not, not being a Christian, but just being good at church because I didn't know. I wasn't a good usher. I dropped people. <laughs> I, I, would, I would do everything wrong. I wasn't, I wasn't, there was the only thing that I was good at was cleaning bathrooms, and so I wound up cleaning a lot of bathrooms. And I'm fine with that. I, was, I thought there was a special crown in my, you know, a special jewel in my crown for those that will clean the bathrooms in the church. I salute anybody that does that. Amen. But I grew up on a dairy farm, so I grew up around a lot of bathroom type stuff. So it didn't bother me at all. It really didn't. So I did that with my whole heart. I wasn't very good. My roommates, I had roommates that were celebrated. They were recognized. People were being called out, prophetic words. I didn't have any of that. My third year got very hard because I gave a gift, and I'm writing, a, I'm writing my second book right now. I'm calling it Good Ground, so I hope to have it out this year. And I was cry, I've been crying this week just as I was writing it, just remembering the things the Lord had done. It, it made me cry over and over again. And Ronnie Howard Brown was doing a mass crusade in South Africa, and it was going to cost, I believe it was a quarter of a million dollars or something like that. I'm a Bible school student. I was living paycheck to paycheck. That's all. And so when they said, we're going to, you know, this is an opportunity to sow into this mass crusade, my heart just came alive. I was like, God, I've always wanted to travel. You know, I always wanted to travel growing up, but I never went anywhere. I was, you're a dairy farmer. You don't really go anywhere. And so I'd been to a handful of places in my life, and I, I had this desire, and I remember I made a commitment. They said, pledge what you want to give to this crusade, and I felt give $1,000. And that, to that time was a major gift for me to give. And so I remember pledging $1,000. I wrote it on there. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. I mean, this was a pledge to God, not to the church. I was pledging this to the Lord. And I was like, I'm going to do this. And I knew full well what this meant because I had a couple of weeks to get this pledge in. I knew most likely I'm not going to eat. I'm going to basically fast to save money. That was my plan. I'm like, I know how I'm going to get the money. I'm not going to eat. That saves a lot of money. I'm not going to eat. I'm going to call in the extra, and I'm going to give this $1,000. And so I'm going to work. Tips were bigger. I'm, I'm, I'm fasting. I'm not eating food. People would buy me food. The Lord's not even let me go hungry. And I mean, in every week, I'm giving all my cash. Just put it all in the offering, all the offering. And it was like the third week, the final week, and I remember I went over and above, and I gave $1,223. I gave everything, and I was so excited. I was like amped up, like God did this. I'm not hungry you know, the Lord fed me, he sustained me, and I gave $1,000, now 1200 to a crusade in Africa. And I remember I, the joy when I took that offering forward, and I was placing it down, and I was like, whoa, you know, and nobody knew that I did this commitment, but I knew it. And as I turned and I was walking back to my seat, the Spirit of God spoke to me, and he said, Caleb, because of your faithfulness to do this, you will never lack a day in your life. And I was like, whoo. I mean, when it's like now, now that's not even outside of the word of God. Are you with me? It's not like that's outside of scripture. Scripture tells you that too, that, I mean, you will not lack. He says, if you put the kingdom of God first, all these things will be added unto you. So he's not, he's not saying something outside of his word, but it's just different when he says it to you. You know, now it's like, ha, you know, now I got it. Amen. So I'm like rejoicing. I mean, I mean, I didn't ask for this. I didn't give for this. I gave because I was behind the kingdom of God because I forcefully want to advance God's kingdom. That's why I gave. And I'll never forget that. And I sat down and I mean, my body's buzzing. I go through the summertime. And in the summertime, I get offered a, a half of a business in Nashville, Tennessee. And it was like, 
a major cabinet shop, but I'm like, I'm like, no, I got to complete what the assignment God told me. I got to go back to Bible school. So I go back to Bible school. I walk away from this huge business opportunity. I'm in Bible college. I'm not there a week and I tear the ligaments in my knee at work. I did valet. So now I can't walk. My knee's in excruciating pain. I don't have any income. Uh, now I'm not eating because I have no money. I'm sleeping on a pool float as a bed. My knee is damaged. I'm about to be um, kicked out of where I'm living because I haven't paid rent. My car is behind on payments and it's going to be repoed. And my cell phone is about to be cut off. And I'm walking outside at 3 o'clock in the morning because I'm so hungry I can't sleep. And because it's not like a pool float was that comfortable to begin with. And I'm walking at 3 o'clock in the morning downtown or downtown Brandon, Florida. And I'm under a street lamp. And I just basically look up at the street lamp like I'm looking unto the Lord. And I say, God, I, I don't get it. You know, I've been here three years. No one's ever said I'm called in the ministry. No one's ever said you're going to do great things. Not that I need to do great things for you. I just came here because you told me to come here. But you said I wouldn't lack. And I don't know what your definition of lack is. <laughs> That's what I told the Lord. Because I was like, I'm pretty sure Webster's lines up with mine. And I feel like I'm in that right now. And I didn't ask you to say that, God. You told me that. So that's why I'm bringing it up. And I'm basically saying, did I miss you? Well, my mom, am, I not, am I not supposed to be here? Was I supposed to stay and run a cabinet shop? If so, may the deal still be there. And may I get out of town tomorrow. And I remember the Lord spoke. And he said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And I just started crying. I'll never forget that moment. Sitting, 3 o'clock in the morning, I sat on the curb of the road. Thank God no one was around. Under a street lamp, and I'm just weeping because I knew what God was saying. Caleb, I see you. I see you. And I remember in that moment, I was crying, and I said, God, if you see me, if you know my heart, and you say my heart is pure, then that settles the issue. I don't need anything other than to know that I'm where I'm supposed to be and that you're proud of me. That's all I need. And I woke up the next morning, and I got a phone call. Sweet old lady. It was actually my grandmother that lived in Tampa. Hey, do you want to come live with us this semester? I have an extra bedroom. I just put a fresh pot of chili on. I was like, would it be weird if I was there in five minutes? <laughs> I haven't eaten. I don't have a bed. And her mattress, she was like, I bought this mattress. It's the most expensive mattress they had, thinking it'd be good, but I can't stand it. You can have it. It was like a $3,000 mattress. It was like laying in clouds of heaven. Especially after sleeping on a pool float for months. I was like, oh, glory. Just gone, bro. Woke up fresh meal. It was like the blessing of the Lord. And then my knee. My knee that was, I didn't even have the money. I didn't know what I was going to do. My knee looked like a, like a, I don't know, maybe I don't want to over-exaggerate, but like a, not a volleyball, but like a ball. It was so swollen. And I had to pull my leg when I woke up in the morning and it would pop and pain would shoot through my body because it would be seized up. And I don't think that was probably good to do, but I did it anyways. Because <laughs> I had to move. 
That day when I woke up after the Lord spoke to me into that, my, he, my knee was healed and I've never gone to a doctor and I've never had anything come back. There is only one voice that matters. It's His voice. There's a lot of distraction. There's a lot of noise in this world. There's a lot of this. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of doubt. There's a lot of threats. But man, behold their threatenings. You can threaten all you want. Because if God has me covered, then I am covered. He's my front guard. He's my rear guard. And He's on my sides too. Come on, somebody. There's only one voice that matters, and we learn that through rejection. People will reject you. No doubt in this room, you've been rejected. I've been rejected. When I got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, I didn't even know it was bad in the church world. I thought Christian was like that. No. You get cast aside, made fun of. You don't even know why people are mocking you. You're like, well, what am I supposed to do? Deny what God has done for me? Am I supposed to go back to being a worldly person and then you'll rejoice what God has done? Or can I just stay free because Christ set me free? And you'll be rejected. People will make fun of you. You'll be cast out. Sometimes it's family. Sometimes it's friends. Sometimes it's spouses that reject you for what God has done. It happens. I'm not saying that that's your goal. I'm just saying in the midst of rejection, know this. You're not rejected from God. If it comes down to choosing a crowd or choosing his voice, choose his voice. Because the crowd is not faithful, but he is faithful. The crowd will turn in a day, but Christ will remain steadfast all your days and even unto eternity. Christ said it this way, don't fear those that can destroy your body. Fear those that, him who can destroy both your body and your soul. That's the Lord. Reverence God above man. There's a lot of noise, but there's only one thing you got to hear, and that's why the secret place matters. Do you know what God wants you to do? Can you hear His voice? Are you receptive to what He has to say? And if so, follow what God says. You say, Pastor Caleb, the Lord hasn't given me any clear direct directions in the last two years. Well, keep doing whatever He told you to do. If He didn't tell you anything in the last two years, you do what God told you to do and you stay steadfast. And when He wants you to change, He'll speak to you again. Amen? Follow the voice of the Lord. From rejection, we learn this. And then from betrayal. What do you learn? Betrayal. We learn that a knife in the heart still turns out better than being the one that holds the knife. Faithfulness matters. You don't get to choose what people do to you in this world, but you can always choose what you're going to do back. And I would rather be the person that is taken advantage of than be the person taking advantage of others. Christ was meek, knew everything but allowed himself to be betrayed, knowing that it had to be this way for the word of God to be fulfilled. All the while, perhaps maybe he didn't know which person would do it. I don't know. But I know that he knew he was going to be betrayed. In this world, guess what? You're going to wind up being betrayed. Business partner might steal from you. Met many people. People coming to the church, silver tongue, Talk the talk, walk the walk, or you think they do. But when they get your money, then they're out the door and they go to the next church and find another sucker. And guess what? You can either let that wear you down on the inside till you're so bitter, you blame God, you blame the church, you blame everyone around you, or realize, man, thank God I'm not that person. Because God said that what a thief steals from me, he'll pay back sevenfold. The enemy will pay back. But for that person, I don't know what's going to happen for him. From betrayal, we learn it's much better 
to just work on our heart and say, you know what? If someone's going to hurt me, I'm not going to allow myself to take it into my heart. One great preacher said, to be a strong believer, you're going to have thick skin and a soft heart. Because if you don't have thick skin, if you have soft skin, then you'll have a hard heart. And our goal is not to have hard hearts. It's not to walk in this world and not trust anybody and see everybody on the side of the road and never give them money. I gave it to one person on the side of the road, and they just, I'm telling you, they're on drugs. No, keep a soft heart. Listen to the voice of the Lord. Know that sometimes compassion still matters. You can't drive past everybody because they're all on drugs. There's one person out there that God wants you to help out. And you got to keep that soft heart. Amen. From betrayal, we learn these things. When people stab you in the back, it's a lesson learned. You get wisdom. But don't use wisdom as an excuse to have a hard heart and never trust again. you got to trust. You have to let people in. you got to believe the best. you got to confess the best. you got to look at people and speak into them the best they're ever going to be. Not the worst. That's not our goal. People think it's a gift from God to declare the worst over a person. That's not a gift, bro. The gift is speaking into a person a higher level. Our goal, my goal, what I do is speaking to a person at their highest height, not at their lowest low. We've counseled people. We know they go through this. But when I meet with them face to face after their lowest low, I don't keep dealing with them at their lowest low. I keep speaking to them vision. That's how I deal with it. What's next? What's God's doing? What's ahead? What's before you? What's this? Stirring up that because you're not going to live down there if you're following God and your heart still remains pure to Him. Look up because there's more in your future. It might feel like today is the worst day, but guess what? Today will disappear and tomorrow will get sweeter. The next day will get better and the next day will get better, 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 better. Amen. Come on, somebody. I was preaching in Guyana. And I'm up in my room by myself, and I was just pressing into the presence of the Lord. And I said, God, show me. Is there anything you want me to know about tonight? Is there anything you want me to minister tonight? And boom, God gave me a vision of a woman in a white dress. He showed me exactly where she would sit in the meeting. And he's told me, he said, this woman, her husband cheated on her, abused her, divorced her, took everything, left her high and dry. There's another man a righteous man that loves her, that is pursuing her, but her heart is hard and she doesn't trust him right now. I mean, God told me all this. I go into the meeting. Presence of God's in the place. Worship was explosive. Powerful set of meetings. And I look up as soon as I start to preach and there's the woman in the white dress. And I call her out. I said, you dear woman. And I just read her mail. I said, you've been hurt. You've been betrayed by someone close to you. Your husband abused you. Left you, now your heart you don't trust, but I'm telling you the man that's pursuing you right now is a righteous man. The moment I said that, boom, in my gut I knew he was in the room. And I look and he's leaning, he's leaning against the church door. And I was like, and there he is right there. And the whole crowd knew all of this in this village. I didn't know him. And they were all like, woo! The whole crowd, people were like, this, this brother doesn't hear a prophet, prophet in the house. The Lord will make you look pretty cool if you listen to him. I was like, you can trust him. God says his hands are clean and his heart is pure. And she starts weeping and crying and the whole place is rejoicing. And he's running forward and he's like. It's not me. It's him. I don't know you from a bag of uh, 
sand, but God knows you. And he said, I've weighed your heart, and you can trust it. This woman was betrayed. Man, you will be betrayed. Someone might do you wrong, but guess what? Forget about it. Forget about it. Hey, what's the matter with you? Because you have a Godfather. And he says, vengeance is mine. So you can just go on loving life and know everything's going to be good and just be like, Lord, take it easy on him, eh? Take it easy. <laughs> Scripturally. I mean, he struck people with hemorrhoids, bro. God's brutal. You don't want to make an enemy of the Lord. That's why from betrayal you learn a knife in the back is better than the knife in your hand. It is much better to be the one taken advantage of or betrayed than to be the one doing that. Because the reward for those that keep their hearts pure, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't steal from you. It doesn't change your destiny. It doesn't remove anything that God has in store for you. And anything the devil took, God will repay sevenfold over. If you believe it, say amen. Faithfulness matters. That's what it comes down to. God is faithful. So be faithful. Just because someone else betrays you, just because somebody else fails, that doesn't mean you are. You're going to remain faithful. Faithfulness matters. From Gethsemane, we learn that some battles are yours and yours alone. And that's okay. Because God's Spirit is stronger than your flesh. Christ said, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. For the Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. I can tell you truthfully that I have faced things in my life, some things I brought on myself, some things were thrust upon me, that were so heavy at the time, I couldn't see, I could not prophesy, I, I tried to praise, I felt heaviness, I felt like this is it, hope was slipping away. I have faced battles and giants so big and so intimidating that it was enough to make me think God hated me, the world was against me, I, I'm cursed. I mean, you go down the list. Is there a voodoo doll out there with my... I mean, you think the craziest thoughts because you're like, this is, this is not one attack. This is like a bombardment from hell. What have I done, God? I thought you would protect me. I faced those things. That's what Christ faced in the garden. Are you telling me that it's normal to sweat blood? The intensity you have to be under for your sweat to draw blood? I don't even know what that means scientifically, but I can tell you, it's not good. <laughs> Prognosis, bad. If you're sweating blood, see a doctor. <laughs> but I faced those things. You know what I learned in those things? That it's not about a big hurrah. It's not about a big fresh vision. It's not about screaming. It's not about that. It's about one more step. Just take one more step. And some days it's all you can do to take one step. But I can promise you this. If you take one more step, you're one step further. And the next day, you're one step further. And the next day, you're one step further. And if you keep going, that's what Christ said. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The flesh is the part of you that shuts down. What are people thinking? What are people saying? What's going to happen? I've lost everything. This is it. This is that. There's no way escaping this. No. Just keep walking. 
Just keep walking. Just take another step, baby. And when you take another step by the Spirit of God on the inside of you, that's a step ordered by the Lord, for the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. So one step God gives you is worth a thousand of your own steps. You do the step God tells you to do. And if you keep stepping like God tells you to step, you'll be high-stepping your way out of every problem in this world. And if you believe it, shout amen over your life. you got to take this step. I know the feeling where it's like, I just want to give up. I want to hide away. I want to lock myself in my room. I want to turn the lights out. And I want to turn on In the Arms of an Angel by Sarah McLaughlin. I want to buy a cat. And I never want to face the world again. <laughs> Trying to break the tension here. It's getting a little heavy. But I took another step. And you took another step. And I've lived long enough and done enough for the Lord to realize those make or break it moments. When you look back on, you don't look back at them sad, upset you had to go through it. You look back at it with joy because it is a constant reminder. Look at what God has done. And you know it's him because you know you didn't do it. (laughs) Look at what the Lord has done. I will rejoice and be glad. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Hey, he watches over you. He watches over his word to perform it. He is faithful. He is trustworthy. He is good, and all the time he is good. He's spectacular. He's fantastic. If I can get someone on the keys to roll behind me, God is good. God is good. Trust the Lord. And what do we learn from Golgotha? We learn that in Golgotha, if you trust the Father completely... Christ said, I only do what the Lord, what my Father in heaven tells me to do. If you trust the Father completely, man cannot do anything to you outside of his will. It's crazy as that seems. But when it came down to it, they couldn't even rip his clothes. They couldn't break his knees. They couldn't rip his clothes. They couldn't change the writing on the sign. It was written in every language at the time. And Pilate said, what I've written, I've written. Because everything was ordained by God. Exactly what he said would happen is exactly what happened. If God said something over your life, even if it looks contrary, bro, guess what? Everything will change. The twinkling of an eye. In a split second, God will turn even enemies against you into people that come along your side. God can do anything and everything if you just trust him completely. Trust him with your life. Trust him with today. Trust Him with tomorrow. Trust Him with the United States. Trust Him with your kids. Trust the Lord. And if you trust God completely, man's not going to be able to do anything to you that God does not allow. You say, well, then does God allow challenges? Yeah, He allows them in because He knows what you can overcome. In fact, He says, I will never allow you to be tempted above that which you are able to withstand. That's the grace of God. That the stronger you get, the stronger the the, the attack against you can become because you're strong enough to handle it. And then that gets you stronger and stronger to do mighty and mighty things in the name of the Lord. Tonight, I simply want every head bowed and every eye closed today.
I want to begin with this. God loves